Good morning. Today is a day that the Lord has made, and we need to rejoice and be glad in it. This morning, we are going to look at a passage in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 1, through verses 3. But before I turn there, I know you Americans love football. That's a fact. Ever since my family and I arrived from Kenya almost four years ago, I have enjoyed watching your passion about this sport. In fact, the first sport I watched when I arrived here was football. And I could not understand the logistics behind football. But anyway, I went although it was not actually exciting on my side. <laughs> but anyway, that's where I was. But if you were to travel to my country, Kenya, and have a survey to people, you will get the same passion. But unfortunately, it is not going to be football, but you will see people have a passion of marathon. People running. That is our identity as Kenyans. Kenyan people are runners, and I hope it will not offend you when I say that Kenyans are the best runners around the world. <laughs> we are. The current world champion and the man who holds the world record for marathon is from Kenya, and his name is Eliud Kibichoke Keino. Kibichoke beat the world record, which was also held by another Kenyan by nearly one minute, 20 seconds. Kibichoke rented 26 miles, raced in two hours, one minute, 39 seconds. He is just a newest name in a long line of champion marathons in Kenya, to me, he's still very young. We have those champions whom we know, but this guy has just come on the scene uh, in the recent uh, marathon. Most of these runners come from my home area in Kenya, a place called Rift Valley. The Rift Valley is a geological fold line that runs from Kenya all the way to Israel. When you talk about the Dead Sea, it lies within that. They are called the Kalenjin people of Kenya. This is a tribe that produces all the great runners in Kenya. They train long and very tight. They run up the hills, down the valley, and even to the flat area. Runners work very hard when they train. They grow up as small children, running to school, barefooted, seven to ten kilometers. And this becomes their daily routines. As a result, they become excellent runners. They develop skills running, 
that they could actually turn around and this running becomes their nature. Through all these years, as they train and having of this experience, they learn the secrets and the strategies for endurance. They are taught how to endure and how to navigate through hills, down and up hills. Through all this training, they are expanding their lungs, purely their muscles, and most of all, preparing their hearts that when the race is hard or difficult, they should not give up, but they should keep on. Because they have trained for two hours. They need to keep on. They train with great heart and motivation, intensely focusing on to win a prize. But not to give up in any case. And because they are determined, they become to be the best war runners. If you will allow me, I will make the recommendation that those who want to be long-distance runners may learn from the examples from Kenyans. Because for sure, they will learn a lot about running a marathon. There's no end country which has broken the world record which the Kenyans have set. It is still there. And when you see the world record being broken by somebody, it is the same, same Kenyan. So we are still on the scene. <laughs> but there is another kind of race that we can run and another kind of people that we can learn from. It is a spiritual race. It is a race of a Christian life. We might call it a race of sanctification or a race of holiness. Or we might call it a race against the world or a race of spiritual progress. But whatever the way you can call it, it also needs endurance. We need to endure in also this uh, marathon. But whatever comes, if you have prepared, obviously you are going to win because you have actually prepared yourself. Some of the people whom we can learn from about this spiritual marathon, for example, a person like Paul, Apostle Paul. Why do we learn from Apostle Paul? Because in his writings, when you go through his writing, Apostle Paul is on also a person who like comparing Christian living to athletics competitions. For example, when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25, you can see him saying, run in a race. When you read Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, you can see he's saying, running well. Philippians 2, 16, running in vain. Or you could look back to the people whom the author of Hebrews has remunerated in chapter 11. 
These people in chapter 11 are a good example. They were faithful to their task. They ran and they came up winners. The writer of Hebrews gives us all kinds of examples of how people overcame obstacles, resisted sin, turned with opposition from outside. But guess what? He's giving us examples, but he's coming out with the last example, who is Jesus Christ himself. So he's saying, these guys in chapter 11, yes, they ran. But let me show you the perfect example. He's actually coming on the list as the last person. That is Jesus Christ. So in the other way, we may say that although Kenyans run, but there is a perfect example, we as Christians, that we can look upon him as we run this spiritual race. And that is no but else than Jesus Christ. Here the writer is speaking about the Christian life. Like a race, it is a race that requires great endurance. More endurance than even the physical marathon. And that one we should actually learn from Jesus Christ what he has done and actually grasp what he has done so that we can emulate him or mimic him in everything we do. Why Jesus Christ? Because he knows the rest. He understands how to run it and how to win it. And even the, 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 the writer or the, the author of Hebrews is actually pointing us back to the people who ran the race in chapter 11. In these three verses, the author of Hebrews gives us important lessons about what makes us lose heart in our spiritual race. But on the other hand, he gives us what can help us endure in this race. So, this morning, I want to talk to you about three strategies for enduring in a spiritual race. This, these three strategies that they are intended to help up and fuel you to endure this spiritual race in our lives. And the first example comes from verse 1. Allow me to read this passage. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. Here the Bible reads, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. 
The author of Hebrews is starting with the word therefore. And when he studies with the word therefore, it's as if he is telling us, I'm done with the examples of faith, examples of those people who are praying well, but now I want you to know this. It's a transition. He's transiting from chapter 11, and he wants us actually to understand something. So first strategy comes to us from verse 1, and that first strategy is understand the nature of the race. If you want to run this spiritual race, number one, understand the nature of the race. The key phrase of this passage is, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. This is an encouragement from the other, so we can understand how to run this race. He is reminding us that if we enter this race, now underline this word, we must understand, we must understand that it cannot be run without endurance. This race cannot be run without endurance. If you enter the rest of a Christian life and you are expecting a straw in a park or a right run, you will not succeed. If you thought maybe to try to join the church and to do some good deeds, and trying to be a good person. But you came with all your past sins. Or you came, but running with your past life. I want to tell you this. You have already missed the point before even you start. Because this race is a spiritual race. And because it's a spiritual race, we need to understand and learn from those people who ran, how did they run? These are races that will require your total commitment, your whole life, and it will demand your endurance. You will face obstacles and hardships. You will have many, many times your mind will be telling you, oh, it is hard, let me drop out of this race. But, if you have not prepared yourself to face this difficult time and match them with endurance, you are not going to succeed in this race. Because it's a race heart of hardships. It is a race heart of sufferings. It is a race full of challenges. You name them. But if you are not prepared, running this race is going to be difficult. You may have started, but check on your pace of running. Check on your pace of running. It demands endurance. You will have many, many times discouraged. If you have not prepared yourself, you will fail. The rest demands sometimes tough and painful workouts. Sometimes my daughter's coffee normally I'm going to work out. And I say, What are you going to work out for? And then she when I I look at her, she's working out, I say, Daughter, those ones I cannot. 
Those ones are very fierce. I cannot even do what you are doing. But that one is just fit for you. You go ahead and do those workouts. They are very painful and strenuous. So if you want to run this race, then you need to prepare. And if you are not going to prepare, you are not going far. People may look at you, think that you are in the race, but you are not. Because sometimes we may look at you, think that you are running, only to find that you are joking. Or maybe you are seated down, or maybe you are lying down. But when people look at you, you are running. The message from the writer, and from all these examples in Hebrews 11, is that this race is painful and strenuous. The Christian race is a marathon, a long-distance race. It's not a short-distance race. Many of the Hebrew Christians to whom he is writing, they started well. When you go back to chapter 3, he writes to them about the many Jews who left Egypt and wandered in the desert, but they never entered into the promised land. They never entered into, the, into God's rest because their hearts wavered when they were in the desert. They were not targeting. They were not having that actually muscle to, to make them actually reach the promised land. Now, when you go back to verse 4, Hebrews verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1 to 2, he says, Therefore, while the promise of entering his race still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news come to us, just as to them. But the message they had did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. Who listened. They did not enter because of lack of faith. They right understood that when their problem came, when their problems arose, these people started actually thinking backward. They wanted to go back to Egypt. They, they lost the passion. They lost their confidence. But what they were thinking, they were thinking going back to their old life they know. Paul also knew of such a Christian, and he warned them. When you read Philippians chapter 2, verse 15, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. He's warning some of them who are like looking back. So he's telling them, this is what you need to do. For some Christians, they are simply apathetic. They feel no interest of going on with the rest. They enter the rest, but they lack the desire to win or to run successfully. They are contented with salvation. And because they are contented with salvation, they are just waiting to go to heaven. Listen to me, guys. Going to heaven is not like going to Kenya. Going to Kenya, I will call Atlanta. 
In that airport, I will sit down and wait for the plane. But going to heaven, the time you received Jesus Christ to be your personal savior, the marathons began. And there is no any single minute you will sit down to say that I'm waiting for something. No, keep on running. Let us not just be contented by salvation. We need to do something because you have called to do it. But in a race, in a war, or in a Christian life, lack of desire to win is unacceptable. Paul believed this principle, and this is what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26 through 27. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Apostle Paul knew about this. He said, it is not about them, it is about me. I'm in the race. So let me not just concentrate on them. I need also to, to examine myself and see, am I going to be disqualified or not? He knew about it. As Christians, our competition is not to compete against other Christians trying to undo each other in righteousness, in recognition, or accomplishment. That is not our agenda. God has not called us to do that. Our race is of faith. We do not compete each other even in faith, but we compete by faith. So when you, you, you read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, our protection against certain temptation is the shield of faith. Now, all those weapons which have been enumerated in chapter 6 of Ephesians, they are not offensive weapons, but they are defensive weapons. We put on so that we can defend ourselves from the arrows from Satan. But we don't put on so that we can chase Satan around. That's not the implication. They are defensive. And that's why he's asking them, put them on. Because the devil outside there is furious. He wants actually to go with you. So put them on so that you can defend from his uh, attacks. As you also you are running in verse 1, you need encouragement to run. The cloud of witnesses. We are all creatures of motivation while we are doing something. We are to run the race of faith like they did the saints in chapter 11. They are our encouragement in the spiritual race. Just to make, maybe, or, or maybe just to highlight a few of them, I was pronouncing this word at home, Abel, and then my, my son was telling me, not Abel. Abel, that is Kenyan. You pronounce it Ebo. <laughs> so it's, let, us, let us look at Ebo. Though he died, but still speaks to us that the life of faith Started a long time ago. Apple 
is an illustration of faith or is an illustration of worship of faith. He illustrates a pure kind of faith that is sharply isolated from works. It is the first, he is the first man to have faith. His faith led to the three progressive things. Number one, his faith led to true sacrifice. Number two, his faith led to true righteousness. Number three, his faith led to true witness. Not only Abel, but also Enoch. He lived, Enoch lived under new God in a personal and laughing way. For 300 years, he had fellowship with a true God, a God whom he knew that he was a just God, a merciful God, a forgiving God, and more importantly, a caring God. He knew that this is a God whom I'm dealing with. So his life illustrates walking by faith. Let us look at Noah. He was asked by God to build an ark. Noah, as we are, did not question God, but simply began obeying God for a hundred years to fulfill the task. He surrendered his time, effort to build a port which was a very special kind of commitment. Noah had never seen rain. Imagine, he has never seen rain. But he treated God's message and acted upon it by faith. God's word was sufficient for Noah to act upon and to build the ark. Now, his life is an illustration of work of faith. Let us look at Abraham. Maybe we may spend something, some time on Abraham. Abraham, by faith, left his homeland in obedience, believing the promises and the blessings of God which he had promised to him. When you read Acts chapter 7, verse 2 to 5, you can see how he was called. He is the classic example of the life of faith, when you read Romans chapter 4. Guys, the journey of faith only begins when we separate ourselves from the world. We cannot begin this journey unless we separate ourselves from the world. And this is what this guy did. He wanted to separate himself. And this is how he did it. He was willing to leave his homeland. He was willing to leave his friends. He was willing to leave his business, religion, and everything because of the call. Now, get me right. I'm not saying leave the occupation you are doing or your work you are doing right now. I'm not, that's not the implication here. But I'm saying if you are holding to any occupation which is against the holiness of God, then that is the thing. You, may, you must relinquish it. <laughs> because you may not run if you have that, put it aside. We want just to see a couple of minutes here, the hindrances which makes us not run. But this guy left everything because God has called him. His faith was active and powerfully active. He saw 
what his naked eyes could not see. He heard what his naked physical ear could not hear. He touched what his naked or physical hand could not touch. Abraham accomplished what God called him to accomplish, not because of his physical status, but because of faith. He believed in God. And because he believed in God, God helped him to accomplish what he called him to do. Abraham Isaac and Jacob died with faith or in faith without receiving the promises God promised them. But although they died in perfect hope, they were assured for one thing, that all that God has promised will come to pass. The promises of God will come to pass one day. As believers, it is hard in between times, the time of waiting. Sometimes it's very hard for us to wait. Take, for example, you are in need of something today, and a person comes to you and they say, yeah, what you want or what you need, I can actually address it, but give me five years. You'll tell him, no, I want it now and right now. Because you know that maybe your need which you, you, you are actually putting across, it is quite imperative and very important that you cannot even wait. But look at a person like Abraham. He waited upon the Lord for all that period, but God eventually gave him what he promised him. But sometimes, as human beings, we tend to hurry up as if we are led somewhere. But we need to wait upon the Lord to do what he has promised you to do. Only those who are heavenly minded will have the patience to continue to be faithful in God's work when it becomes hard and appreciated or it's coming to an end. When you read Colossians chapter 3 verse 2, set your minds on things that are above not on things that are on earth. If we keep on looking to the things of this world, trials, troubles, struggle for money, pleasures, and other things, I'm telling you we are opening the door for the flesh to pop up. We should not actually strive for us. Because God who called you knows exactly what you need. And when we give him time, he'll work it out. But if we hurry, somebody told me, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go with the people. Wait, people. Go with them. But if you want to go fast, go alone. And you are not going far. So waiting sometimes, eh, it's not good. But when we wait, the results are good. The results are good. Because of the focus on Christ, we need to be focused on Christ. We do not. If we are focused on Christ, we do not care what goes around us. 
Look at what Paul uh, told Timothy. 2 Timothy 2, verse 3 to 4. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since he, his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. He's saying, fight with me. Why is he saying fight with me? Because he knows that life is a struggle. <laughs> fight with me. Moses, the time he was in the wilderness for 40 years, they were hardest as far as patience is concerned. 40 years waiting to what God has told you, leading the Israelites to the promised land. 40 years? Are you kidding me? But he was there. You see, what Moses was seeing, these people were not seeing. He was seeing and seeing God, but they were seeing problems and sufferings which surrounded them. But because he saw the unseen, he persisted. He persisted. And he went ahead. Do you know what? The biggest uh, weapon certain uses to the Christian, it is just only one thing big, discouragement. When you are discouraged, there's nothing you can do. But if we learn actually to be determined and to stay focused, we know that what God has said will come to pass. But when we have discouragement, we will not go far. All these guys trusted God, never gave up under obstacles, under hardships, and in the all costs. They endured hardships for God's sake. They never, never gave up. The cloud of witness is a witness to God, not to us. They are an example to us, not spectators. They were proved by their testimony, their witness, that the life of faith is the only life we can live. Only life we can live. Life of faith. We are not called to please them, for they are not even looking at us. But we are looking unto them as our example. Not only those people, maybe in, in Hebrews chapter 12, even we have those living saints, people whom we can even look at and then emulate or mimic their life. For example, here in America, a person like John MacArthur, John Piper, Makadeva, they are still alive. But when we, we, we mimic them, we see that we are progressing in, in our spiritual life. Not only that, let me narrow it down a little bit. We people who are the students at the Exposed Seminary, we have a bunch of them. Our professors, Cheryl Rack, Dr. Z, Wemaya, Shane, and others. They are still alive, but when we mimic their life, we can see that we are actually going somewhere spiritually. Let me narrow it down again to FCC. We have elders. The Bible says, above reproach. They are here. Name them. We can mimic their life because we see how they are leading us. We see what they are teaching us and how they are living. Let me narrow it down again. In our Sunday school, we have teachers. 
They are teaching us the word of God. They are saying this is the way. We can mimic them. Let me narrow it down again. We have small groups. We have teachers there. They are teaching us the word of God. We can mimic them because we want to grow spiritually. These things, you see, the Bible says, let us run for the race which is before you. These things are not hidden. They are just there. But it's upon you to see how can you incorporate them in your life so as to run this race. But you need also to understand that we have some hindrances. We have some hindrances when it comes to this race. Every weight. And a hindrance is simply a public and a mass of something is something perfectly innocent and harmless. But if it weighs us down, diverts us, and diverts our attention to Christ, absorbs our energy, reduces our passion and the things of God, then that thing, that thing, is a weight that keeps us from running well, and therefore a hindrance from winning the prize. We should put them aside if we want to run this race. The hindrances that hinder this choose was legalism, Judaism, and even holding on their old religion ways. That's what hindered them actually not to go forward. But the question is, how fast do you want to run and how much do you want to win? How fast do you want to run and how much do you want to win? It's very simple. If you answer that question, if you want to win much, then put off the hindrances. Put on those things which makes you not run. And you will run. And run with endurance. Look at what Paul says. Galatians chapter 3, verse 12 to 13. But the law is not of faith, Rather, the, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. They were going back to legalism. And then Paul is telling the Galatians that that is not. He saved us from that. How can we go back again? Maybe I can say you are not going back to legalism. But you may be we are thinking to go back to your old life. And that old life cannot make you actually to advance in your spiritual life. You need actually to understand and push ahead. Put patterns aside so as to run this spiritual race. And this pattern is sin, unbelief, doubting God, which entangles Christians. Sometimes we may Say, okay, yes, we read here in the Bible, we see God has promised this. But sometimes we lack proper discipline of believing and trusting what he has said in his word. So we cannot go forward because we have unbelief. We are not only to understand the nature of the race as first strategy, but also secondly, we should understand the example of the runner. Example of the runner. I think maybe time, but 
Example of the runner. <laughs> Verse 2. When you are in a race, you need to focus on the call. Why? You need to be focused because if you look sideways, you'll stumble in the fall and you'll not win. Some of us, or some of us Christians, we are concerned about what other Christians are doing, what other Christians are thinking, especially in relation to ourselves. But if we focus on Jesus Christ, we will see everything else in the right perspective, and the Holy Spirit will have a perfect opportunity to use us so as to run in the wind. Sometimes we are focusing at a place where we need not to focus. If you focus on yourself, you just not go. You will be defeated. But if we focus on a champion, who is Jesus Christ, he will make us to go. So sometimes our focus, we are placed our focus at a wrong place place. But this morning I want to ask you, focus on Jesus Christ. Because he knows the way, he knows the rest, and he won the rest. That's the perfect example that we need actually to look upon and see what to do. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, through chapter 5, verse 7, particularly verse 7 of chapter 5. The Bible reads, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was hurt because of his reference. Now, this verse takes us back to the time of Jesus Christ when he was still here on earth, in his flesh. When you read Isaiah. Chapter 53. The suffering servant. You can actually tell. What is going to come. In New Testament. Because this is a prediction of the cross. How Jesus Christ is coming to suffer. He cried from agony. Of the fury of God. God's wrath. Poured on his perfect, holy, and obedient person. Who is Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ is an example of the true faith. And it's on his example that you and me should pin our eyes. Don't pin your eyes on yourself. Don't pin your eyes on your friends. Don't pin your eyes on something else which is going to vanish tomorrow. Pin your eyes to Jesus Christ. Because he's the perfecter of our faith. If we can pin our eyes on him, there's nothing which will make us to stumble. So I urge you to pin your eyes on Jesus Christ, who is our perfect example. We should imitate him. No one runs a race without some expectations of a reward. When Jesus Christ was here, he was motivated. He was motivated by two things. 
Number one, the joy that was set before him. Number two, sitting down at the right hand of the throne of God. When you read John chapter 17, verse 4 to 5, you can see him speaking this or altering these words. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. What is he trying to say? Though the cross was there, but he was seeing beyond the cross. He was seeing the joy of being exalted. He was seeing sitting at the right hand of the Father. So the cross to him was nothing. Though it was shameful, but he was not looking at that shame to be a stumbling block for the joy he's going to get after he has done. So these two things motivated Jesus Christ actually to, to run this race. And that's why he is the perfect example. Jesus should be our focus. Jesus should be our focus. We are not only to understand the nature and the example of the race, but thirdly, we should understand the mindset of the victor. We should understand the mindset of the victor. Sometimes we tend to think in life that, oh, our faith has run out. We tend to think that God has turned his path against us. Think that we will never come out of a certain mess. Oh, this is too, too much. And sometimes we may say, oh, I, even my, the, the, the faith cannot hold on that. It is, in Kenya we normally say, you are in blues. You don't know to, whether to go ahead, go back, or sideways. You are in blues. And sometimes we tend to, to reach in a certain, a certain place in life whereby we are like in blues. We don't know how we can navigate through such like a thing. Oh, let me tell you, church, let's read verse 3. Consider him who endured from sinners such a hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. That is the perfect example whereby we should pin our eyes on him. It's only Jesus Christ. So this morning, I want to urge you that therefore, as we run for our life, then we need to, number one, be motivated by godly examples, those saints said during their lives. Number two, you need to put your life of faith in Jesus Christ and have started the race. Number three, put aside any sin that will hinder you from running the race. Number four, run with endurance through hardships and suffering. I want to tell you whether we pray there is no any one day God is coming down to take away suffering. Suffering will always be with us. And that's why he said, when we are in the midst of that, he can make a way for us actually to come out. Number five, look on Jesus as the object of our faith and salvation. And number six, 
follow Christ as our perfect example and never, never give up in this race. You started it, and he's going to accomplish it. Let us be encouraged that what he said in his word are true. And he's coming to accomplish it. During that time, he will come. Let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray this morning that we may be motivated by godly examples. Those saints said during their lives, you need, Father, to help us to put our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ and to have started this race because if we don't start this race, then there's nowhere we are going. Help us to put aside any sin and hindrances and let us run this race. Father, help us to endure through hardships, through sufferings, as we look on Jesus Christ, who is our object of faith and salvation. Father, help us also to follow Jesus Christ, our perfect example. Never should we give up because he is the perfect example to our spiritual life. As we run this race, Lord, help us to run this race through faith. For in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.